This week, Chris Welch joins us. We talk about next week's Apple event. Lots of stuff to preview. LG has quit the phone business. And of course, we talk about Chris's Sonos Room Review. That's coming up now. This episode brought to you by Memberful. You and your team work hard to build your brand. It's time to monetize your passion. Memberful is the easiest way to sell memberships to your audience. That's why it's used by some of the biggest creators on the web. By seamlessly integrating with the tools you already use, Memberful helps build sustainable, steady revenue, allowing you to stabilize and grow your business. But the most important part, Memberful gives you full control and ownership of everything related to your audience, your brand, and your membership. Get started for free and start creating a membership program with Memberful. Find out how at memberful.com. This episode is brought to you by Okta, the leading independent identity solution. Okta provides a best-in-class authorization so your customers and workforce can safely access what they need from anywhere. They're dedicated to building the most reliable, neutral identity platform because it means protecting more than a login. Identity is protecting people, their ideas, their work, and their brilliance. It's protecting your future with confidence. Learn more at OKTA.com. Hello and welcome to Flagship Podcast Spring, which is here. See what I'm doing, Dieter? Yeah, it's good. There's a spring Apple event. It's a little late, but it's here. I'm Neil. Mm. I'm your friend. Dieter Bone is here. I'm your uh, friend who refuses to make weed jokes about the Apple event being on 420. But I think you you just did. Mm. Chris Welch is here. Good to be back, as always. This is great. We We got Chris for the whole run today. We got like a classic run a gadget news to get through, including uh, an Apple event that was just announced, a bunch of TV news. Dieter has promised to memorialize the LG phone business in some way. <laughs> but I want to start where we always start, which is COVID, still the biggest story in the world. Although I got my second shot yesterday. Dieter, you got the J&J shot. Got that last week, yep, on um, Wednesday, which was really dumb timing because I meant I was knocked out for last week. <laughs> That's right. Chris, if I've been following your Instagram adventures correctly, you, you've got two of them. Yep. Yep. I got my second one last week. I was down for like 24 hours, but tell you what, it's still worth it. Oh, yeah. I was good. fully exhausted yesterday, although I did not have it as bad as other people. Uh, I, I had Pfizer, so um, I heard that it was going to be nasty, but it was actually just I was just a sleepy boy, basically. Um, uh, that is actually the news in vaccine world is right now the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is paused in the United States. Our excellent science team, uh, Nicole Wetzman, our health reporter, watched that press conference yesterday. It was a lengthy and detailed explanation of the six cases of blood clots that have been discovered. It's a very rare clotting side effect. We're watching that very closely. We're also watching, I mean, if you listen to us, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about the information ecosystem and what this news might do to it. There's as much controversy about whether they should have announced it and paused it or whether they're doing exactly the right thing. In the end, all that really matters is people should get vaccinated. The other two vaccines are still going. If you have that opportunity, please take it uh, as fast as you can. That's light at the end of the tunnel. We're still tracking the vaccines, what's going to happen with J&J, what's happening with the AstraZeneca vaccine, the side effects. Mary Beth actually wrote, our science editor, Mary Beth, uh, wrote a great explainer of side effects and what you might expect, the whole range. You can go look at that. So that is that logistics problem of vaccine rollout distribution tracking how effective they are and for how long still the ongoing project both johnson and johnson and the ceo pfizer today actually said they anticipate you will need a booster vaccine shot the pfizer in about a year i think j and j as well so lots to come on that front but i got two shots chris got two shots dieter's got his one shot like i already booked my first plane flight whoa (laughs) i gotta go see my parents so you know it's I, i see that light I always also talk about second what I what I call second order effects of the pandemic. We're just seeing that all over the place with vaccines now, with all the rest of it. So Airbnb is trying to preemptively detect like post pandemic like crazy parties and Airbnbs and cancel yeah. them preemptively, which is hilarious. We wrote a great story about like vaccination souvenirs on Etsy and other platforms, which are hilarious. Expedia has launched a tool so you can figure out what restrictions and like vaccine passport T things you might need as you travel. Uh, And then we made a great video about how CO2 sensors might help us get back to quote unquote normal by helping you track the air quality in different spaces and ventilation. All this stuff is happening, um, but it feels like after a year, a year plus now, yep, there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel. I do have to point out. Several weeks ago, Joe Biden promised a website. Yeah, I was going to bring it up. I was out last week. Dieter skipped a week. I don't know exactly what number it's. I think it's like five. 
Oh no, you lost count of the weeks? <laughs> because the real the real deadline that he specified was May 1st. Right. So we have to start counting May 1st. Okay. But he announced the website, I think five weeks ago. There is a website. They're they're building a CDC website that already exists. Please go to it. On May 1st, we will have a lot of coverage about whether this website is actually happening. But given the pace of vaccinations, it seems like people are finding them. If you haven't found one, please go find one. Okay. And by the way, if you want to tweet at me at dunking that I lost track of the count, you, I deserve it. But the real deadline is May 1. Anyhow, Apple News, Dieter, spring loaded. Spring, comma, no comma, implied comma, loaded. It seems to me the, that's the pun, is that there's just going to be a ton of stuff and it's spring. If you would like to um, think that there's something with a spring in it that's going to be released, I invite you to speculate. I have seen speculation where they, they took the little AR animation of like the swoopy colors that form an apple. Yeah. And they like broke them out by color. And then if you line up the colors in the right order, yeah. it kind of maybe spells iPad. No. Do you see the one where they like... <laughs> They took the the spring swoop and they're like, this is the hello from the original Mac in cursive. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it, it isn't actually. Like, it's not, it, it just isn't that. It's yeah. like close enough where if you want to believe that it is. I want Apple to bring CRT Max back. That's what I want. <laughs> that would be great. They're like, the problem with computers is they're too easy to move. This high response 45 rate, pounds. high refresh rate. Yeah. Think about it. Because Apple loves high refresh rate video games, that's that's what they're all about. Uh, it does feel like the the name, and I we kind of there's a lot of rumbles that really, they just mean there's a lot of stuff and not a theme. Yeah, I think that's probably what it means. Okay, so there's a but we we did this sort of I don't know two or three weeks ago, but to me the thing that most likely is going to be a new iPad Pro of some kind. iPad Mini is looking more and like more and more likely right now than I expected. I'm just going to say AirTags because I'm contractually obligated to assume that Apple's going to announce AirTags at every single Apple event for the past two years. Mm -hmm. There's possibly new AirPods that sort of like borrow some of the design language from AirPods Pro. And then maybe an iMac, probably not, maybe, maybe something else. And then who knows what they're going to do with services because that plus bundle demands content. Yeah. So the, let's take them in order. So yeah, iPad yeah. Pro and iPad Mini seem safe? Safe. Pro almost certain. Mini, eh, we'll see. So German said that they're having supply chain problems with the Pro, but that is also an indication that they're probably going to announce it. Um, I personally wasn't expecting a Mini. I figured the Mini was basically on the iPhone SE track where Apple makes it and then forgets it exists for five years. And then I was like, oh, shit, and they make another one. Yeah. Uh, but apparently not. Well, they got a, you know, flight... Uh, Air travel's coming back. All those pilots that use them for flight manuals, <laughs> they lost the old ones. They got to get new ones. Yeah. AirTags, they just announced the third-party devices that can support Find My, yep. which seemed like a prelude to then destroying those devices with their AirTags. <laughs> so that, I, I don't know. So I would put iPad Pro and Mini at like a 8 out of 10 certainty. Yeah. I feel right. I would mm -hmm. put AirTags at a 7. Yeah. I would put... The Apple TV at the four, actually, because the rumors yeah. are just that they're like they're thinking about making it good. Well, the rumors <laughs> are they're thinking about making it into a Facebook portal. It's yeah. like a full on like camera and speakers and Siri and whatever. Yeah, I, I just like given the state of that rumor, that's a, I, they're not ready to announce that. If, yeah, I would be no, happy no. And, and surprised if they did. But at four and then I would put an iMac at a two. Yes, I agree. No like, way. I don't think they're, they got, that's like a, they need to have us there in person. They're going to redesign the computer. They're going to, they want a hands-on area. They can see that moment coming. That's my guess. Or they'll do it at WWC and they'll like start somewhere else. So my big thing with the iPad Pro, we know that there's going to be the mini LED screen, probably just on the big one. Mm -hmm. We'll be able to be nerds about new screen technology. That's the, our favorite thing to do, uh, especially in this room of uh, the three of yeah. us. <laughs> uh, but then there's also like, what are they going to do with the processor? Uh, because they did just have the M1 Max, which blew away a bunch of Intel stuff. Are they going to try and do something impressive with the iPad Pro? Or is it just going to be, yep, it's still fast? Because who cares how fast an iPad processor is because it's fast? I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny because for years they'd be like, this iPad is faster than a Windows laptop. Mm -hmm. So it it will still be faster than Windows laptops. And I think they can just stay in that lane for as long as they want to without comparing it to the Apple products. 
right? And then with when they put out the Max, they're like they talk about battery life and all the other stuff that ARM gives them there. But I don't think they have any interest in doing head-to-head comparisons there. No, they do, they they are actively trying to avoid it, right? Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I think the the M1 has a bunch of stuff that the A series processor or processor, the A series system on a chip does not have. Correct. I already invited the people to tweet at me about screwing something up. I'm not trying to open more <laughs> doors here. Chris, do you care about this uh, this new screen tech that we're expecting? Maybe. I mean, we'll see how nice it is. I bought uh, the 2018 Pro, uh, the 12.9 inch, and I love it. Use it all the time, and so I skipped uh, the 20. 19 or 2020 refresh that was very easy to do they're like here's a lidar sensor uh, <laughs> <laughs> wasn't much of an upgrade uh, but this time you know if the screen gets a lot brighter maybe but it sounds like that's going to be the main difference that we're looking at so i mean many led is nice on tvs i'm not sure how much you'll notice it on an ipad because like these screens are already gorgeous you know they're like wide color and they're sharp and so uh we'll have to see how good it looks in person I mean, the, the primary benefit, primary benefits are potentially battery life, mm-hmm. maybe some brightness, depending. And that's like a big question mark because you are still thinking about battery life. Right. So even if you could make it brighter, you might end up making a decision to preserve your battery life. And then contrast ratio, right? I mean, that's like what you get, at least on the TV side, that's what you would get out of it. Mm-hmm. And like, again, it's like, well, maybe we're all going to fly in planes again. And I'm gonna be like, man, I really want those like deep inky blacks when I watch a movie on my iPad. <laughs> but I have never once thought about the contrast ratio of my iPad. And I have, a, really? I have the older generation pro, like you have the smaller one. And it just hasn't occurred to me to care about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, super disagree. The, yeah. If I had proper inky black on my 11 inch iPad, I would probably use it to read in bed. Oh, um, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I, cause you know, put the Kindle in like black, dark background mode, background mode. And just use that. I've been doing that with, I did that with the Z Fold 2, which I just returned, by the way. Uh, I've been doing it with the uh, the Surface Duo. It's pretty great. Uh, but those phones aren't super, super good at letting you crank the brightness way, 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 way down. Yeah. But Apple's pretty good at like letting you get the brightness as low as you want on, on some of its phones. So I would love to be able to use the, use the iPad in bed to read uh, at night in... Uh, in a dark mode. Yeah. I guess it's true. I do appreciate the inky blacks of my iPhone. But when I before I had them, I wasn't like, man, I care about this. And then I have them, I'm like, oh, I really care about this. Like, I can never go back. So we'll see. I the, We talked about this, I think, two weeks ago, the last time we did a show. It Where the iPad goes, like, a fancier screen is nice. But, Chris, you're, like, happy with your iPad. Would this right. get you to upgrade? I mean, the battery life uh, could get there because if you like, you use the iPad Pro as a laptop, mm-hmm. it does drain pretty fast. Uh, yeah. so, if, so if they can improve that, I think it would be uh, pretty meaningful because you have like M1 Max now that just like sip power, and like the iPad Pro is not quite as good about that. So my the little one that we have is um, it is an uh, Lightroom ingestion device. Mm-hmm. So when we come back from going out with Max, we like put in the card and just the photos and like, maybe I'll edit them there. Or maybe I'll go to the computer, but like it's sitting there. So we do it. It is also Max's preferred coloring surface. And those are its Ooh. only two uses. <laughs> it's like, I have a notes app that is synced with just crazy, crazy Max coloring. And then like Lightroom is open on the side. I'm, I've maybe I would upgrade to that larger one. Mm-hmm. Maybe, but I, yeah. but like we're getting exactly out of this iPad, what I expected that we would. And I've yet to see a particularly with M1 Max like on the horizon. There's not a reason in the world where I'm like, oh, I need to upgrade it this time. We'll see. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, I think this will be the big thing that they announce. So, well, what's going to end up happening is the the shipping is going to be a little bit delayed because of uh, screen issues or maybe chip shortages. Who knows? Which means that like you could probably wait and see if um, this is the WWDC year where they do something to the iPad. Cause it seems like that's every other year for them that they try hard on the iPad. Oh, the software side uh, on the software. And last year they did not try hard with the iPad uh, the year before they tried very hard. So I'm interested to see what they do this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about AirTags. Like, we expect them to come. What is taking so long? <laughs> then you'll be able to find stuff. Well, I mean, they've got to build this, like, crazy mesh network idea, right? Like, that's, mm-hmm. like, the underlying. They, it's built. It's there. It's called Find My. It's been around. <laughs> yeah, but they got to light it up. And then, like, you know, they keep calling Apple in front of Congress. And they got to tell Congress they did a thing. Like, yeah, here's my theory. The switch to turn it on, the code that to turn it on is in a filing cabinet 
in the, in the office, and they all went home to work <laughs> from home, and someone lost the key, and they just like, uh, I don't know, don't know, like, we'll just ha- gotta wait till we find it. Ironically enough, until they can launch it. <laughs> That'd be great, actually. They are going back to the office, and then I, we are expecting like some bundle of announcements around services, right? Like podcasts, Apple Music, news. This is their big push. Fitness Plus. They just announced some more workouts. Like, there's a lot of things they could talk about, mm-hmm. and we just have no idea what they might talk about. Apple mm-hmm. TV Plus. Right. They announced a bunch of shows are coming back. Like, they just put out a trailer for the second season of Mythic Quest. Are they going to announce that they made some more of it and it's available to stream? Like, I have no idea. More Ted Lasso. I mean, they, trailers. They're definitely going to do that. Right. Like. Yeah. So the question is just like in what order? Again, I, we, our expectation of this event is that it's just it's it's like a Samsung CES keynote, which is like every thirty <laughs> seconds or something. You like we made submarines and washing machines. Here's a phone. There's a laptop. Like it feels like it's going to have that kind of vibe to it. But the services piece, you know, we can kind of guess what they're going to do with an iPad. You can we we kind of know what's going to happen with AirTags. Mm-hmm. You have to do it with services like any one of a million directions. All I want is Apple Music HD. I've been waiting for years. And I ask Apple, and they just say, you know, no one cares about this. Uh, but now that Spotify <laughs> beat them to the punch, I think they might be paying attention a bit more. I mean, it's like free money for them. When right. have they ever turned down, like, we well, could just pay us more money for an imperceptible increase in sound quality? <laughs> I'm surprised that they haven't latched onto some nonsensical 3D music thing. Because they're doing <laughs> spatial audio. Yeah. They've got home pods. They at most on the TV. Like, they could... They could just tell you they were doing it and like you can't hear it anyway. So like, <laughs> they would like kind of feel like it. I'm, I'm surprised they haven't gotten all the way there. What I'm weirdly looking forward to is like 14.5 is coming any minute. Uh, then maybe they'll like it'll come out that day or around then. Uh, it's got the big privacy warning opt in thing that's going to show up on every single app. Uh, can we track you or not? They're going to do a little sort of song and dance about privacy. Maybe he'll take a, a shot at Mark Zuckerberg. Disclosure, my wife works for Facebook Reality Labs. Apple is going to have everyone's attention for however long this, this you know, infomercial live stream keynote thingamajig lasts. They may as well use it to, to, you know, push their angle on that fight. Maybe. Although Apple, when you watch an Apple event, I, I, I keep thinking about the one they did with the, where they announced the HomePod Mini and they like literally built a house. Right. Everyone, like we watched half of it. Like, Apple events are all about like how awesome it is inside the Apple ecosystem, right? And there's a whole little story about like happy people talking to Siri or whatever they're doing, and to like go out of it and like issue a polemic against Facebook just kind of like breaks the happiness of the event, in my opinion. No, that's fair. They might do it at WWDC. Yeah, that's definitely going to happen because that That'll audience is there. receptive to it, and like yep. there's a way to talk about it, and they need to know what ad tracking tech they're allowed to use or not, like their developers. Here, it's like they just want you to buy stuff. Okay. I'm curious that, you know, Ashley Carmen had a, a piece uh, last week about how Apple's podcast strategy seems to be just extending its television franchises. So I'm very curious how they talk about that, given that, you know, Spotify is making a huge push in the podcast. We keep hearing about Google's big push in the podcast. Like, it's a hot part of the media ecosystem. And Apple just is the 800-pound gorilla that doesn't seem to do a lot. They really just don't do a lot, which is good and bad. Like, I like that they run an open directory of podcasts that every other podcast player is allowed to use, right? Like, but do you think Apple likes that it runs an open directory of podcasts? Do you think Apple is happy being, uh, you know, uh, the source of so much free, open content that, uh, you know, is run off classic web standards? You think that's something that Apple enjoys? I think when the podcast team rolls up into like the board meeting and they're like, here's our plan to expand. And then Tim Cook is like, great, that sounds good. How much money do you need? And they're like, $500. Like, we don't need a lot. <laughs> and he's like, how much money do you think they're going to make? And he's like, and they're like, $1,000. And he's like, we make the iPhone. Like, I'm not, I don't care about this money. Like, yeah. It, I don't think that pot, like, it's big business for Spotify. If Google can get a bunch of exclusives or whatever Google's going to do and get you to switch to Android, like, I don't know what they're going to do, but they run an advertising business. So if they can just create more surface area for advertising, Google's very happy. Apple's like, did you buy an iPhone? Like, here's an app that's on it. Uh, But but, but, but we started this whole conversation with uh, Apple Plus, Apple One, whatever bundle needs content. What about Apple Podcast Plus with exclusive shows? And they get in a bidding war with Spotify to get 
Bruce Springsteen and Barack Obama's, you know, next season or whatever. And that if you subscribe to the bundle, you'll get all these bonus podcasts that Apple produces. Yeah, I just feel like if Apple, like the the most boomer energy of all the boomer energy companies, didn't get the Obama and Bruce Springsteen show, like they have no interest. Like that is like in the strike zone of Apple stuff. Like it's like Oprah and then, you know, the boss and Renegade doing their show. Yeah. I think the show is called Renegade, right? It is, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 my guess is that they think of podcasts as a nice extension that keeps people in their ecosystem and not a business that's big enough to care about. Right. Just okay. based on what we know of Spotify. My guess is if Apple sees a way to further bolster their story to their investors that they're an important services company that makes money on services, they'll do it even if it doesn't make that much money. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. Again, this is what what I'm saying about we are expecting a bunch of services announcements. Yeah. In what order and at what scale across each of the many services? Like they just announced a bunch of games, a new pricing model for Apple Games Plus. They did not do that at this event. They announced it ahead of time. Does that mean that this event is too crowded or does that mean that they're just like, here's we're going to try a different thing with games. We don't want to pay too much attention. The services narrative for Apple is there and they've been pushing it and they've been slowly building out the suite of products and they have the bundle. I would not tell you that it is in focus yet. I think they're still figuring out what's in and what's out and how it all works together. This brings us inevitably to the Apple TV, the least in focus product in the entire Apple catalog. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, but Chris, we have you here. What's your reaction to the idea that they're going to bolt a camera onto it and then like make a HomePod that's more like an Echo Show? <laughs> I mean, the camera part is kind of confusing. I think it makes sense in like the age of uh, working at home, but I still find that a little bit strange. The speaker part makes sense. I mean, you've got like Roku doing uh, sound bars that also have their software built in. Uh, so that idea is good, I think. But yeah, I think Apple just seems like it's always kind of late to these ideas. And uh, we'll see what this turns into, this product. It sounds like it's still fairly early on. So I think for now, the, uh, they should just uh, cut the price of the Apple TV 4K because it's <laughs> still just sitting there and is way too much money. I think they should finally uh, pull the bandaid off and switch the primary interface to the TV app. Mm. So I, you know, because all of you yelled at me so much, I bought the new Chromecast with Google TV, and <laughs> it's great until it, until it like gets slow and crashy, right? Sometimes very crashy. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. Uh, I would say it's great six days a week. <laughs> One, and then you know, on the seventh day you have to reset it. It's not. It's not quite that bad, but it, it can be finicky. But it's great, right? Like it has all the recommendations. The hilariously, they made a big deal. The reason I bought it was they announced that Apple TV Plus was on it. Mm-hmm. which meant the library of movies that I've bought on my Apple TV were now available on this other device. Yeah. Okay. So like switching costs zero, I bought a competing product. The free market works is if you've been listening to our show, you understand oh, the switching cost went to zero. Hilariously, the Apple TV plus app does not feed the recommendations and does not show up in ways to watch on the, on the Chromecast with Android TV. So when it's like ways to watch this movie, even if you own it in Apple TV, it, it doesn't, doesn't show up on the list. Which is hilarious because you would think Google would be like, Apple, do you want to integrate into our thing? And Apple would be like, yes, we want people to use our service. But instead they said no. Um, (laughs) Anyhow, it's great. Like that is a vision for the future of the thing where all the content is disaggregated and it works. Apple has that in its TV app and they won't just bite the bullet and make it the primary interface. You're still in this like weird app world. I think Mm -hmm. if they just did that much, they could tell you that the product was new. Upgrade it from it's an A10, right? It's like ancient. Right. Just like... (laughs) <laughs> I know, take all the iPads people are recycling and be like, now it has an A12 and we flip the interface and you could tell tell people it's new. Yeah, it would be pretty yeah. easy. Yeah. Let me just uh, put a new processor and give it HDMI 2.1 specs and then uh, call it a day. Hopefully at a better price, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I do think the idea of them to so the, the HomePod team and the Apple TV team are now the, the same home devices team. Mm-hmm. I do think lots of people use Apple Photos. If they can get their head around a great screen technology and say, this is a great photo frame that runs Siri, people will just buy those. Mm-hmm. It is the reason that we have Google Homes and not Alexas, because we use Google Photos. I think Apple has a good photo service that people use at scale. Amazon, for whatever insane reason, has chosen not to build such a thing. I think that's a that's a winner of a product for them. The We made an Apple TV with a camera. Where are you going to put it? Have you mm-hmm. seen new TVs? They don't have any room under them. And if they do, they have a soundbar there. <laughs> well, it would go above. That's the idea. Is it going to be a separate, like a wire? Is it going to be one, bu- one box? Apple's not like- shipping a thing with a wire. Are you kidding? The Apple yeah. TV is the camera. And then you yeah. plug that into your TV. That's there's that's the only way they would ever des- design such a product. They're not doing like a connect. <laughs> they should just, they should 
just take the extra iPad mini screens that they're making, slap them on the front of a HomePod mini and call it a day. They would sell so many of them. <laughs> we'll see. This is like, again, I don't think we're going to actually see this stuff, but I think Apple's home products are limited by how few of them they make. Like how many echoes are there in every shape in size that you can conceive of? You want an echo and a plug outlet? Here it is. You want an echo and a ceiling fan? Surprise. Apple's like, we make one circle. It has thread in case that's what you wanted, which you definitely don't this time. And like, it doesn't do a lot. And I think they need to like, just make a bunch of these and figure out where the market's taking them. All right. Do you want to talk about something? There's like, I want to talk about the iMac, but we don't no. think it's going to come. I don't think yeah. it's going to come. All right. Dieter, tell me, we, we, we mentioned AirTags and it seems like Samsung is trying to front run them. Yeah, they just jumped out with the. There, there's another version of the smart tag uh, with ultra wide band. It should be available to buy by the time you're listening to the show. Samsung has a whole like Samsung world of find your stuff, uh, and if you want to go live in that world, that galaxy, if you will. Oh my god, you can. <laughs> I don't know that you should. I don't know that I trust Samsung to uh, support this product long term, but it's there, and Samsung gets to say that they put theirs out first. Which is, I think, their only goal. That's their only goal. <laughs> Ever. All right, let's run through the, the rest of this TV stuff. Uh, we knew this was happening, actually. We, the CEO of Logitech in 2019, mm-hmm. in the before time, like we were, I remember interviewing him in the office. So clearly the before time. And I asked him about Harmony Remotes, and he hemmed and hawed and said, what a great community, which is a clear <laughs> indication that it was going away. But now a year and change later, indeed, it has gone away. So here's my thing. There's nobody there to, like, they didn't get killed by a competitor. It's just that there's just no longer a demand for a good universal remote. Like, no yeah. one no one buys them. I think they got killed by HDMI CEC more than anything else. Yeah, uh, that's the case. I think, like, when you buy a Roku or, like, a Fire Stick, like, it has that remote that does enough TV functions, like, power or volume to cover most of what you want. Assuming you don't have, like, 20 things in your home theater set up. Yeah, but, like, either you're just using the smart TV app on your smart TV— Mm. Or you have a set-top box, and apparently the HDMI CEC is good enough. Maybe you've got a cable box. But the the world in which you need to, I don't know, have 50 things playing your TV and you need to control them with remote control is apparently gone. Or everything works off, like, proprietary Bluetooth now, and so, like, you couldn't get it? I don't know. It's very confusing to me that there's literally not enough of a market to support one company making one good universal remote. Don't talk to me about Cavo. No, I mean, that's like a sideways bad product. We, <laughs> my parents still have it, and it's great. It, it, it like does the job for them, but they have many updates to make along the way. What, Harmony were not good products at the end. This is at like an end. important yeah, okay. point to make. Now, like yeah. five years ago, they were like, ooh, these are kind of bad products. And now, after like years of neglect, like really not great. Like setting up a Harmony remote is like one of the most painful experiences you can have. And so, like, I think it's like there wasn't enough to support it. And they also just didn't care about it because I don't know if you know this. Logitech made so much money last year that they just made a Super Bowl ad about how working from home means we have to love each other and buy new keyboards. <laughs> right. Like, that's what they're doing. Like, they're like, they were out of stock of webcams last year. And they're like webcams, keyboards and mice. Yeah. Like they just went crazy. They, they have a huge business in like Twitch streaming accessories. Right. They they bought that software package that people like yeah, OBS yeah. Studio. Like that's Logitech, I, you know, and this is all what what their CEO was telling me. I think it's less they got killed by CEC because <laughs> as we have learned, even the HDMI forum doesn't care about CEC. I think they got killed by volume buttons on the Roku remote, which took forever for Roku to even put there. Yeah. And they got killed by the fact that the TVs themselves are smart. So, like, most people have nothing connected to their TV. And then the people who do, I think, are way more comfortable having multiple remotes on their coffee table than anyone anticipated. Like, it's not, it's just, like, not a problem to solve. Like, I have two remotes on my coffee table. I think it's dumb. Every now and again, I look at, a like, a Logitech Harmony product page, and I'm like, I'm not using this software. I'd rather have two remotes than use this software. There's got to be an answer there, though. Chris, do you know how long they're going to keep supporting the existing Harmony remotes? Uh, so far, they haven't given, like, a firm timeline. They've... So they're going to add like more devices like to the supported list as new stuff comes out, which I'm not really sure how long they would actually stick to that that promise. But it uh, sounds like they're going to like have some sense of customer service and uh, we'll see just kind of where it goes. But yeah, like 
they're going away. It seems like Cavo is kind of on life support. Uh, you can't even order their products currently from what I've seen. So I'm not sure if that's like a chip shortage thing or what it is. But yeah, so this whole like market is gone. You've got like the super high up stuff like a Control 4, like those installers. And that's still there for the people who can like splurge and spend thousands of dollars for like some nice touchscreen that'll control their whole setup. But like you were saying, and now it's just like we've got all these TVs that are smart. And so we don't really need that middle thing to kind of handhold you through everything. Yeah. I mean, I would say even those like high end control for restaurant things are like they're kind of bad products because yeah. the business model under them is you have to if anything breaks, you have to call a guy to come fix it. <laughs> like they're not like user configurable. And so like I just think they're they're kind of engineered to be a little a little brittle. So yeah. you have to always call the, the integrator. It's a good mm-hmm. business for the integrators. Don't get me wrong. They all seem very happy. Speaking of remotes, Apple TV plus. It's getting its own button on the Roku remote, which is as big of a sign of Apple not caring about its own hardware as I can think of. Uh, it seems like this just happened because I just got this Roku remote in, and the one I got does not have this button on it yet. So I sent them an email, and I'm like, is this going to happen? They're like, hey, we're going to change the button. And so uh, <laughs> it seems like Roku and Apple like, just worked out this deal. This is the first time the buttons on the Roku are for services that I care about. Like for the really? longest time, they had a crackle button. There's a crackle button. There's a Sling TV button there for a while. And I was like, I'm not doing yeah, it. Mine has Sling TV instead of the Apple. So I guess that's the one that's getting kicked off. Yeah, who had more money? Apple or Sling <laughs> TV? Uh, so now it's a Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu, and Apple TV Plus. And it's like, all right, I buy it. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the right set of buttons. Crackle. <laughs> Do you know there's like a, a, a reasonably good secondary market of Roku remotes with the buttons you want? Like if you go on eBay or whatever, they advertise yeah. the re- the replacement remotes by being like, "This one has a Netflix button," because <laughs> some people didn't. It's great. Uh, harder buttons uh, never go obsolete. Speaking of Roku, they have a new streaming player and a new remote. Yep, uh, the new player is cheap. Uh, does 4K. Well, it's got HDR10, HDR10 Plus, uh, which is the first for Roku, um, and it comes with a voice remote. And now they've also got uh, the rechargeable voice remote, which is the one I just got in the mail. And so, uh, what kind of plug is it? Uh, that's a micro USB. Come on! <laughs> in 2021, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Uh, Tremendous. But it's got hands-free mics built in, so you can like call out to it, like find my remote, and it'll sound out a tone, and they can tell it to open apps and stuff. But yeah. So since I my my whole personality is bikes now, I've got like bike lights and <laughs> Garmin's and whatever. Mm-hmm. Every single bike thing uses micro usb and it's just like i'm just like okay fine whatever yeah it makes me happy that i have a giant cache of the old palm micro usb cables because it had a little divot where you could tell which side was up by holding it you don't have to look at it you just like pick up the cable you know which side is up it was great so i've got a whole box of those (laughs) finally (laughs) yeah you're like ah this is the time you open the drawer full of the old cables (laughs) <laughs> There's nothing better than that feeling, by the way, when you know you have some extremely bizarre old cable. Yes. And you're like you open that drawer of crap and you're <laughs> like, I did it. I saved eight dollars today. The uh, the square USB B cable or whatever, the printer like yeah, yeah. cable. That one. When you when you need that one and you've got it, you're you're a superhero. Then you're like, wow, this plastic turned very yellow. <laughs> That's been my experience. I have no fewer than three file cabinets full of old cables. It's bad. It's bad. It's fine. Um, they belong to me. <laughs> that's that's a fact about them. Uh, what's this update on the Roku OS? What does it mean that they're adding instant resume for streaming apps? Uh, so usually if you like bow out of like Netflix or uh, Prime Video, you just kind of lose your place, which I always found was kind of strange in these things. And so now if you open up some apps like the Roku channel and some other small ones, uh, you'll actually uh, go right back to where you were, which is like a nice small thing. Uh, but this does not work with Netflix or any of the big services, right? Of course now. So <laughs> we'll see if that happens. <laughs> and aside from that, uh, this update brings uh, the AirPlay 2 feature uh, to more devices. Before it was on 4K models. Now it's uh, going down to like HD uh, stuff as well. So that'll be on more stuff. I mean, it is just tremendous to watch Apple like divest itself of mm-hmm. caring about TV hardware. Like they just decided they don't. It is just not what you'd expect from that company, right? And they, I'm like, make a TV. And they're like, we put a button on the Roku remote. And it's like, what? <laughs> but we'll see. Ted Lasso is very good. <laughs> it's true. It's very good. good All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. We have a lot of, a lot of phone news to talk about. We'll be right back. This is advertiser content. Brought to you by AAA Insurance. 
My grandparents grew up sharecroppers. That meant they worked other people's land. This is Brianna Meeks. Nanny and Papa, like they were so, they were sticklers. I know that when they went from living on the sharecropped place to owning a place, it was very, very important to them. It was going to be beautiful and it always was. And this is what happens when timing, courage, and trust all line up and bring you closer to the place you've always loved, like an old farm in rural Tennessee. When Brianna's grandfather died, the family had to sell the farm. And when they did, it was like losing a piece of their family's history. But now the farm is back on the market and Brianna's on a mission to buy it back. I'm going to do literally whatever I can because I have to. It's mine. Brianna's leap into land and home ownership is a big one, but instead of dwelling on fear, she's choosing to trust her gut. Even when my parents were like, I don't think you should do that. I was like, you guys trust me, I'm gonna do it. I went for it and it turned out being one of the most ridiculous things that's ever happened to me. Ridiculously good, but just wild. Trusting your gut can lead us to choices like Brianna's that bring us closer to home and the life we've always wanted. With a partner like AAA Insurance at your side, you can trust your gut in life's biggest decisions, like buying a new car or even a new home. See why people like you have chosen AAA to protect what matters for over 100 years at AAA.com insurance. What does it take to end cyber attacks? Cyber Reason can tell you exactly what it takes. It takes an army of battle-tested defenders on a mission. Defenders who fight attackers operating under the cover of digital darkness. Defenders who think, move, and adapt faster than those attackers. Defenders with the technology and effortless automation to spot an attack forming on computers, mobile devices, servers, and the cloud, and alert you when it matters the most. To end cyber attacks, it takes the brightest minds in global cyber intelligence working to deliver future-ready protection to guard your data wherever the fight moves. Cyber Reason is ready to win that battle, with you and for you. In the fight to end cyber attacks, trust Cyber Reason to be your defender and to reverse the adversary advantage with proactive protection against ever-evolving threats. Cyber Reason. End cyber attacks. From endpoints to everywhere. Learn more at cyberreason.com. That's C-Y-B-E-R. E-A-S-O-N. Okay, we're back. So we got to talk about LG leaving the phone business. And I will I will just tell you this one story. Years ago at Engadget, I reviewed an LG phone. Unsurprisingly, like, I mean, this is like more than 10 years ago now. This yeah. has stuck with me. And I, I don't know, remember why. I, it's a very specific memory. But I was in a car going through the tunnel out of Manhattan back home, like the, the Midtown Tunnel, and an LG PR person, who doesn't work there anymore, so I'm not like burning this person, but he called me and he was like, you're not giving us enough credit. And I was like, but the phone is bad. And he's like, we're the only thing in Samsung's way. You're not giving us enough credit for trying this hard. <laughs> and I was like, that's great. Stop yelling at me. Your phone is bad. And this went on through the entire length of the tunnel. And I remember thinking to myself. Were you talking about on the LG phone? Because the phone is actually able to hold signal to the tunnel. Maybe it's not that no, bad. It was on the LG phone. But I remember thinking to myself, I'm ending this conversation when I come out of the tunnel, no matter what <laughs> happens. And I came out of the tunnel. I was like, look, I got to go. And like, But it was just this like their entire like, I mean, again, this is a long time ago. And so more than 10 years ago, it was reasonable to think that they would be the big competitor to Samsung. Yeah. And then they weren't. Well, HTC kind of started to lose its way. And it was like, oh, LG will do it. But they, I don't know, there was the the G4, which was like, we're going to make this, we're going to make it modular. And they mm -hmm. like, you could like pull the battery out and there's like this weird plastic thing you attach to the battery and you could attach to something else and blah, 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 blah. Um, they had the flexible phone. Remember the flexible phone? Oh it was a big God. deal. And then... Longtime fans will know that uh, the real nail in the coffin for LG is when they launched the G6 and didn't reference Scissor Vodka. <laughs> they really, they really blew it. They had it. It was right in their hand. Because of us, I know that this is true. They called Far East Movement the band. What? Quiet, or it was the other way around. I think Micah was working here then, and he like called yeah. Far East Movement's manager to be like, "Have they licensed like a G6 for you?" And I believe their answer was that would be cool. <laughs> and they like had a they had a talk, and it didn't go anywhere. Oh, yeah. But yeah, then then like the, their phones ended up being kind of forgettable. 
There was one where I literally gave them a participation award. Like we went out and bought a little <laughs> ribbon and like put it next to the phone. But they were kind of forgettable. But the problem was they were kind of forgettable, but you didn't they they were fronting like they were headed sub competitors with Samsung. And they just weren't. And so they they just started making weird stuff. Uh, and apparently the market of just selling the cheapest phone to carriers, there's too much competition on the low end, especially from like TCL, who apparently wants to be the new LG. They're hard charging in, both with cheap phones, uh, but also with weird phones. And yeah, just, LG's like, well, we, just, we don't have that business. I want to be sad. I'm a little bit sad, but I'm more sad that... We, ne- we we had a chance to have Android not just be Samsung. There was a minute there where there was LG, HTC, and Samsung. Uh, and now it's Samsung and I guess like OnePlus, like Xiaomi, Huawei. Like, but In the United States. I think, I think we have to like very much specify outside yeah, yeah. the United States. There's way more competition. There's way more competition. Uh, but here it's like rough. And, but TCL's trying and they'll be in there. But T- the thing about TCL versus LG is TCL, no one buys a TCL phone thinking it's going to be a heads-up competitor of Galaxy S21, right? No one has that illusion. For a while, LG was trying to sell its phones like they were heads-up competitors to Samsung phones when they just weren't. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I'm sad that LG isn't going to like put out some insane hardware idea every year on, on the dot because they were the only ones really trying. But it's not like I... I've bought so many phones in the show. I have never impulse bought an LG phone. Well, look, you can uh, you can buy a TCL fold and roll someday. It screens on the outside, it unfolds, and then on top of that, it rolls out to get even bigger. Hmm. Go for it. All right. You just everyone just assume that I'm I'm typing right now to buy a phone. You just imagine that it's definitely happening. So there is one company that I wish would compete with Samsung in the U.S., and that is Sony. They announced the Xperia One Three and the Xperia Five Three, and these phones look shit hot. They look really good. They're like they, they're the exact same form factor as the Xperia One Two, but very very good. Incredible screens. Maybe they'll get the camera right this time. But if you're willing to go into Pro mode and you want to like have really incredible focus or take you know mm-hmm. high frame rate photography, like 20 frames per second photos, you could do that. These will also work as a monitor for your SLR camera oh, over cool. a special USB-C cable. You don't have to buy the Xperia Pro with an HDMI in anymore. They, it's just, they're fast. The software is relatively lightweight. They're beautifully designed. But for some reason, Sony can't sell a phone for less than like $1,000. <laughs> and they can't get any U.S. carrier support. They just can't. Uh, it won't support 5G and AT&T. It'll finally support 5G on the other two carriers, but none of the carriers are going to carry it. And then Sony's also doing the thing where they announce the phone three months before you can maybe buy it. Ooh. And they've been doing that for like three years now. Just announce the phone, and then I see the phone, and I go, oh, that's hot, and then let me click buy. That's how you announce a phone. <laughs> they won't do it. I mean, this is not to make everything about uh, United States competition policy, but I will. Okay. Given even half a chance. It's weird that Sony needs this much carrier support to yeah. release a good phone with features people want. So I, I will say I tweeted about this a little bit and people are like, you know, Europe exists. I was like, I know, but I'm not as smart. I don't know as much about Europe as the U.S. And a couple of people are like, yeah, that's OK. They have carry support here, but also it doesn't matter. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, I just to me, it's like we're in and we live in the Samsung. Like if you want to buy an Android phone, you walk into a carrier store like you're inundated with Samsung messaging because they 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 pay for each other. Basically, they're all wrapped up into deals with each other. Then there's a bunch of prepaid phones that other people make. And that's kind of like the shape of it. Well, but uh, T-Mobile signed that huge deal with Google. They're going to start pushing Pixel phones. Should we just talk about RCS now and we should talk about the Pixel 5a? We have the Pixel 5a. <laughs> this announcement is so incredible. If you missed it because it went by really fast, there was a rumor that the Pixel 5a was canceled. Uh, this came from uh, John Prosser and then Android Central said that they had uh, sources confirming it. And so then Google, we were about to reach out to them. We're writing the story. And they proactively emailed us and said, the Pixel 5a is not canceled. It's coming out. And we'll announce it in the usual way. (laughs) So they announced the phone in order to deny a rumor that the phone was canceled. Yeah. I mean, this is like the most Google. Like, the Pixel team is not interested in your standard media playbook. 
Yeah, they're no. much more like, did someone tweet about us today? We announced the phone. So <laughs> <laughs> they did this the last time. But the last time, at least it was like fun and jaunty and like, oh, there's a rumor. You want to see a picture? We'll show you a picture. <laughs> this time it's like, you guys, we're still here. We haven't been canceled. We're, we're making the phone. <laughs> we haven't been canceled. The pixel story. <laughs> but this is like, uh, you had two of these this week, right? There was the the pixel, we're not canceled. And then there's the RCS Nonsense isn't going away. Okay, so uh, Light Reading, an industry blog about the telecom industry, went and asked uh, the bunch of carriers, and this is, I wish I just thought to do this, because T-Mobile announced a deal with Google that they were going to support Google, you know, they're going to support, you know, Android messages. And so Light Reading reached out to everybody else and said, hey, what about the cross-carrier messaging initiative that you announced in 2019 where you were going to create a, you know, you are all going to support RCS and it was going to be great. And Verizon was like, well, the company that was going to build them, build it for them was like, we don't know. And then Verizon was like, yeah, we know, we're done with that. And then AT&T no commented. And then they eventually commented to us that now we're not doing that. So everyone saw this as, ha, 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 RCS is dead. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me be very, very clear about this. Oh, no. I, I'm not like an RCS booster. People mm-hmm. like, Dieter, you must be so sad that RCS is dead. I'm like, one, <laughs> it's not dead. Two... It can die, and I will be totally fine. Like, I don't care. Uh, I just want it to be coherent. And the CCMI plan was for Verizon and AT&T and T-Mobile to get together and make a super cool texting app that you could use that would be at the quality level of, say, Verizon messages on Android. (laughs) That would have been a nightmare. And they would have also done a whole bunch of, like, really dumpy, like, business services in the background that also would have been terrible. So them abandoning that plan means they got, like— a terrible plan got abandoned. Now, this could mean that they wasted time on a bad plan, and so they've been set back. It could mean they're going to screw up RCS again in the future. It could mean they're going to continue to drag their feet on the universal profile, making everything cross-compatible. Any number of thousands of things could continue to be slow, annoying, crappy, incompatible, or confusing with RCS. But this one thing getting killed is actually good news. Yeah. What I like about this most is that you insisting that you don't care that much is still evidence that you care more than anyone else in the world. You know, the the formation of the CCMI, uh, I believe, happened when I was at a remote recording studio because I had to be out <laughs> in the world somewhere. And the news came in while we were recording. Yes. And I emergency bailed on the middle of recording <laughs> and ran out and sat in my car and called up Sprint, who was like I knew was actually behind this thing and like got the story out. <sighs> That Sprint executive definitely doesn't work at T-Mobile now. You know no. that like the deal closed and they went up to him and they're like, "You're the guy who did CCMI. It's time. It's time, <laughs> we, time we, to we own Sprint now. Bye bye." <laughs> I just want this to happen. Like, you know, the Apple and Epic lawsuit is ongoing. There's like tons of discovery. Yes, we, we're getting the emails out of both companies now, and some of them are redacted and some of them aren't. Epic is obviously trying very hard to show that Apple acts in anti-competitive ways. And then sometimes you just see the emails. You're like, well, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so there's this one, an unnamed Apple employee writes an email. The number one most difficult reason to leave the Apple universe is iMessage. iMessage amounts to serious lock-in. And Phil Schiller responds, moving iMessage to Android will hurt us more than help us. This email is why. It's an obstacle to iPhone families giving their kids Android phones, is what Craig Federighi says. We always see these people. We're going to an Apple event next week. They're going to be on stage. They're like the lovable dads of the Apple world, just goofing. And then they're also like the most successful tech executives in history. And of course, they're sharks when they talk to themselves. Like, I buy it. I understand that this is they've done the reasoning and they know it's locking and they're keeping it. And that's all fine. And if you are sympathetic to Apple, you have already tweeted at me that, of course, this is how they talk. I know that this because this is what my tweets were when we did the story. But the question is, like, is that how you want the market to work? Like all of these little bits of lock in, all of which are totally reasonable for the individual company to do, none of which are like horrible, but all of which keep you from switching platforms when you add them all up. And like, I don't know. And so, like, RCS, if it works, like, one big question is, will Apple let it onto its platform knowing that iMessage is locking people in? Do you want the government being like, you have to use RCS? Now, that seems like a disaster, just given the 
nature of RCS and the nature of government mandated tech services. But okay, so long, the long term goal here is to spin down SMS. Like, will carriers have the guts to spin down SMS if Apple doesn't pick up RCS? I don't know. And certainly by taking apart the CCMI, like their whole wacky business idea of having flower shops text you with rich pictures or whatever. Oh, that still exists. They're just doing it on their own. They're doing it independently. Of course they are. I don't know. All of this is like, as we go through this epic lawsuit and the trial is coming up in May. Yeah. We're going to hear a lot about it. And I would just, the focus for me is like, they know it's lock-in. They know, they talk about it. They use the words Mm lock-in. Yeah. They know the blue bubbles keep people on their platforms and keep parents buying iPhones. What's the thing that would make you say, okay, this is finally anti-competitive? If it's not that, what is it? How many things have to add up? And I, I just, I still, I don't know the answer. I, I couldn't tell you that this is enough. Like, of course they're using the word that describes what it is. Yeah. What other word would they use? But so the thing that blows me away about this, it's not that they're emailing things that could be discoverable to each other. It's that Phil Schiller needed to explain that he thought that I, I messaged locking was a good thing by forwarding an email and saying it instead of just assuming everyone knew that's what he thought. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like off. They're all driving their Ferraris. <laughs> They're dictating the emails using Siri on CarPlay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's great. All right, we're going to take another quick break. we got to talk about this Sonos room. There's a bunch of other stuff to talk about. We'll be right back. Support for this episode comes from Sattva, who was just named the best overall mattress by our friends at NY Mag. And we've got an opportunity for you, one you will want to sleep on. Try out the Sattva Classic mattress. Why? Because you can only appreciate the unique quality of the Sattva Classic after you experience it. Take its two layers of coils, for example. How will you ever notice the way it contours to your body if you never try it? Or how will you ever feel the plushness of the three-inch Euro pillow top covered with an antimicrobial treatment if you never rest your body on it? Or how will you... You know what? Just visit Sattva at sattva.com to find out about all the other features they couldn't fit into this 60-second spot. One last thing before you get back to the show. Sattva always offers their mattresses at half the price of retail stores. So go ahead and check them out at sattva.com. That's S-A-A-T-V-A dot This episode is brought to you by ClickUp. There's a productivity pit in our workdays. Let's call it the app chasm. It's that deep, dark hole that opens up when we have to switch between apps to track down deliverables, find due dates, collaborate on docs, and communicate all the moving parts with our team. ClickUp is a flexible productivity platform, and they estimate we lose as much as three hours a day in the app chasm, which really adds up over the work week. But with ClickUp's centralized approach to work, you can get those hours back. It works by bringing all your chats, apps, docs, tasks, teammates, and goals into one place, kind of like mission control, so you can stay focused and make work work. Built for teams of all sizes and industries, ClickUp's super fast features and 1,000 plus integrations make it a must-have for anyone wanting to track, manage, and tackle their work in one place. Get your hours back with ClickUp. Try it for free today at ClickUp.com. All right, we're back. Chris. Yeah. You reviewed the Rome, and then there's some kind of crazy IKEA picture speaker with Sonos. What's <laughs> going on here? Uh, so the Rome ships next week on the 20th. And uh, and so, yeah, I did another review of it. And it sounds great for a six-inch speaker. It's clear, crisp, really well-balanced. It's got AirPlay 2, Google. It's got Alexa on there. And so it does a lot of stuff and sounds really good. But it is, like, at its core, a six-inch speaker. So, like, as long as... You don't set crazy expectations, I think you'll love it. But it's not going to handle like an outdoor party by itself. It's not going to handle like a big room very well. And so I think like for those cases, you want uh, uh, the uh, Sonos move uh, more so than the room. But uh, for a nice uh, take anywhere speaker, I mean, Sonos did it. Yeah. <sighs> Can I, should I, I need to move a bunch of my Sonos speakers around and I might need some surrounds. Can I, can I use them as surrounds? You cannot use them as surrounds, unfortunately. Is that even a ridiculous thing to have wanted in the first place? I think the answer is yes, that's a dumb thing to have wanted. I don't think so. I got quite a few questions about it. So it seems like okay. something that's something people want, but Sonos is like, doesn't really make much sense. You know, they're battery powered. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I, I love that they have Qi charging, that you could just like set them on whatever wireless charger you've got. That yeah. seems like... Yes, every speaker should have had that for years. Yeah. I mean, I, I again, there's light at the end of this tunnel. Do I need a portable speaker right now? I don't. But like getting this out before maybe it re- reopen and there's like a whole cycle of people going places. I could see it. I'm into mm-hmm. it. Party speakers. Yeah, so it turned out pretty well, I think. 
Uh, the buttons feel great. They have actual buttons that you push in instead of Sonus's usual touch-sensitive capacitive buttons, which would not have worked well here. Uh, but yeah, it sounds real. Sounds really, really nice. Uh, the battery's only 10 hours, which is not the best for Bluetooth speakers, but I think like that's the main uh, strike against it. Otherwise, yeah. it does what it says and costs a fair amount at uh, 169 So, that's, but yeah, it does a lot of stuff. I wonder if they're going to do all of the colors and designs that like the Boom speakers do. Like That's actually the funnest part of UE Boom's line. It's like, every time I see a color that I don't have, I'm like, <laughs> I should buy it. Like, I have three of these. Yeah. But... We'll see if Sonos goes there. What's going on with this this art picture speaker thing? Uh, so last week, Sonos and Ikea both kind of teased uh, the next products in their uh, Symphonisk line. And so from what I know, it's going to be a new lamp that looks a bit better than the previous one, which looked a bit strange. And uh, But the second product sounds pretty far out. It's going to be like a print of art that has a speaker inside it, basically. So it looks like a canvas print on your wall, but it's a Sonos speaker inside. So you can actually use these as... Uh, surrounds from what I know. You can? So, yeah. Yes. People are pretty excited about that. and uh, <laughs> That's pretty rad. I'm into yeah. that. Like, are you going to... Oh, you got to run power to them, so... Right, but what but I've what's... heard, I actually haven't uh, put this in a story yet, but apparently you're going to be able to, like, chain the power cords from one to the other, so you only have oh. one going to an outlet, and uh, you'll be able to, like, uh, daisy-chain them, and so to keep power running to two at yes. once. That's really clever. Yeah. But what's the art going to be, though? Because, I I mean, I've I've... I've walked through the basement of Ikea on, on the way to, like, pick up your flat packs. And I've looked at the art. And, like, every now and then it's like, okay, that's not bad. But, yeah, it's uh, it's Ikea art. I'm not super into it. Yeah, I've seen one photo. I'm not sure if it's, like, a final product. But it looks kind of like your basic, like, most inoffensive piece of wall art. Uh, yeah. Like okay, a still life? Like fabric like... finish to it. No, no. Just, like, a pattern thing. Because they want to keep it simple and, like, have it. Okay. So you can have like a speaker behind it and like mesh, and so it so it all comes together. Uh, but yeah, we'll see what we'll see what it looks like when it finally comes out, which should be sometime fairly soon. I'm all in on the idea of painting surrounds. It's so your silly. art surround speakers. Yeah. All I really care. I think I talk about the different kinds of surround speakers I would want on every episode <laughs> of this show. At this point, I have enough speak. I do not need any more. Ashley reviewed the Spotify car thing. Well, like half reviewed. They sent her one. She wrote about it. It's hard to review a thing that you can't buy. Like, if you are a Spotify subscriber, you might be offered to get one of these. Then you have to pay for shipping, which is such like a, like everyone else in the world offers free shipping, but Spotify is like, this is free, but the shipping is not. It seems ridiculous to me. This thing makes no sense, but it gives me like the best possible like Zoom vibes. Just like yeah. a, <laughs> like the dial interface seems kind of fun. And there are like four buttons on the top is like shortcuts to like your favorite playlists or albums or podcasts, which is kind of neat. So people say like, we'll just use your phone for all the stuff. And that's kind of like a nice fast way of just getting somewhere. But I mean, it does need your phone to work in the first place. And, uh, but yeah, I just kind of love like how it looks and, and just a neat gadget. But it, it still is like a controller for your phone, right? Yeah. So it's just a really fancy remote control for the Spotify app on your phone that oh, is still phone. playing the audio through your mm -hmm. car, which is the best kind of nuts. <laughs> yeah. There's a picture. Ashley had it in her car. There's a picture of her car. She's got the, the phone mount, the car thing mount. They both got the wires running. She's the, her car's stereo is there with a big screen. All of that seems like it should get cleaned up, <laughs> but I appreciate that Spotify made this thing. And I do love that it has the big dial. What if you're on a, like a really long road trip or you regularly are driving kids around uh, and you just want to give them control of the music? That's kind of neat. Like instead of having, don't think of it as mounted on the dashboard. Think of it as like the music control that you pass around your party car. This would be great for a party bus. Think about it. Mm. Okay. That, uh, Spotify, if you're listening, <laughs> pivot the marketing. There's a new marketing angle. Right? Yeah. Hey, look, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. Like it's time for party speakers and, and party bus Bluetooth remotes. There's, I'm t you want trends for future trend spotting? It's party bus remotes. New Echo Buds at Google again, like half released a thing. <laughs> so yeah, this week we got the new uh, second generation Echo Buds from Amazon. They're smaller. Uh, they have full on ANC that uh, does not involve Bose this time. So that's kind of fascinating how that didn't really last to be a long partnership. Uh, but they look a lot nicer and uh, they're priced super, super aggressively. Uh, so you can buy them for one nineteen. Yeah, man. Like one nineteen for these things. If you aren't Apple, Samsung, or Jabra, 
maybe Bose, a little bit of Sony on the side, like, and you're trying to sell earbuds on Amazon.com, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say that the Amazon logo on the buds is very bad. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just the arrow. It's not the full Amazon logo, but Amazon doesn't have like the coolest logo. Right. Like in that it is a smiley face. <laughs> Like, you know, you put the Bose logo on it. You get the, the Apple, Apple mark. Like, they're like the, the premium logos. Even, the, like, the Sony logo. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. This is a, uh, an arrow in the shape of a smiley face. And you're like, I don't. That's not. That's not <laughs> Did not cool. need this on my ears at all times. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I get, like, I, people wear clothing festooned with the logos of premium brands. I, I, I get it. I under, No one's out there rocking, like, the Amazon baseball hat. Like, unless <laughs> Jeff Bezos is. I wonder if, you know, he's leaving. He, stepped, he wrote his last letter as chairman and CEO. And he's executive chairman now. Andy Jassy, if you're listening, this is your moment to change the logo. Well, they changed the icon, the app icon, because it looked too much like Hitler. <laughs> well, that's um, like a different problem. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Dieter, you want to talk about this OnePlus review? Uh, so Dan reviewed the OnePlus watch. We've been waiting for them to release a wearable, and they did. And it's not good. That's... <laughs> That's how I would describe it is not very good. It's running a custom proprietary OS that seems like it's similar, if not basically identical to the kind of OS you'd seen on like an Amazfit, uh, some other, you know, wearable watch. Uh, it does the things. It counts the steps. It syncs some health stuff with the OnePlus Health app. It lets you look at your notifications, but replying to your notifications, pretty difficult. Getting music on there, waka waka. The step counts are apparently wildly inaccurate. Um, <laughs> that the very first uh, launch before the software update came, it only could display 24-hour time, which maybe that's the better way to display time. Different people can have different opinions on that, but it's weird that you don't have the choice. Yeah, it's just a it's a whiff. And here's the thing. It's very inexpensive. So if you want a very inexpensive watch, you can accept that like battery life is incredible and it does like the very basics and who cares? Um, except that it doesn't do the very basics very well and you can get other watches that do those basics better. Like you can go buy a Fitbit and it will do all of this stuff and it will have an ecosystem surrounding it to let you do more stuff if you want and it will accurately count your steps. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's just a whiff, and I don't know what the plan is for the Pixel Watch. There were rumors uh, that you know we saw some images that maybe that there's a Pixel Watch coming. I don't know. I for a long time we were we were blaming Qualcomm for making crappy processors, and then we were blaming the market for like not incentivizing more better processors for smartwatches or whatever. Uh, and then we're mad at Wear OS for being slow. It's just like it's this death spiral that just prevents the market from providing a good wearable to an Android user, except maybe the Samsung Galaxy Watch. It's pretty good, but it's still, like, not great. It doesn't... It's not even half as good as an Apple Watch. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, I can complain about lock-in and anti-competitiveness, and it's like, (laughs) Also, this isn't very good. (laughs) Like, also, even if the market was perfectly competitive and the switching costs are zero, the headline is literally big, basic, and boring. Like... You're going to buy an Apple Watch. Uh, lastly, you want to talk about the Surface Laptop 4? They didn't change much. Uh, you can get uh, AMD processors, which is interesting. That's kind of, I don't know, we're going to have a review of it, Monica, I think, is looking at it. I feel like we're due for um, a pretty big refresh of, like, Surface design. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if we're going to get it this year. I was kind of hoping we would, but the fact that they released this and it's, like, spec bumps, it's good that they release spec bumps. Don't get me wrong. But it's not a major redesign. And I'm not just talking about the laptop. I'm also talking about the Surface Pro, um, Surface Pro X. Surface Pro X doesn't need a redesign. Surface Pro X looks beautiful. It's perfect. It just needs a processor that works. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And maybe even the Surface Studio. Like that, I think that probably doesn't need a huge redesign. It's mostly the Surface Pro and the Surface Laptop. I would like to see a little bit more modernity out of those things. Yeah. All right. We got to wrap this thing up. Speaking of reviews, by the way, I have a Starlink at my house. So if you have questions, I don't really know how to begin to review an internet service. Speedtest.net? Yeah, it's like, (laughs) I'm going to run some speed tests. Like, (laughs) we'll see if it stays up. I'm going to take a picture of it. But if you have questions, let me know. Um, I want to call out a few stories. Ashley wrote a great piece about Clubhouse 
this week. Um, my only ask when she told me about the story was the reality of clubhouse and Twitter spaces and all the rest is like people at home with their phones. I was like, I just want cool pictures of people talking to their phones and boy, did the art team deliver. So go read that story. It's really good. Um, I'll just give you one little hint that comedians in clubhouse hire professional laughers and they have rules about when they can unmute and laugh, hmm. which is like an entire bizarre culture. Uh, Nick stat who is headed off to protocol to write out video games. His last story for us, um, Apple uses a company called Phobio to manage its trade-ins. A lot of controversy about Phobio, particularly um, around laptops and the company claiming they see dots on the screens of the laptops and lowering your trade-in value. That's where this all started. Go check that out. It's really interesting, and there's a lot of back and forth. And then James Vincent, I would call it the medium-term fallout of Google firing its ethical AI team, Tim Nick Gabru and others, and that has really sent Google sideways in the AI research community, which is a big deal because that is as we've heard from Google itself, the very much the future of Google is AI. So check that story out. It's really, really well done. The site looked great this week. All the stories are well done, but those are the three that really caught our eye. That's it. Rock and roll. Get a vaccine. Get a vaccine.